Welcome to the Author's Podcast with Lisa Newton. Writing a book is a dream for many people, and in today's society, it has become easier and more important than ever. If you are an expert, speaker, coach, or an authority in your field, having a book is the new business card. It can increase your credibility, enhance your status, and make you the go-to person in your field. Opening doors and bringing a flood of opportunities straight to you. You can increase your fees and start choosing the clients you really want to work with. The Author's Podcast Show with Lisa Newton is designed to inspire, educate and inform you, both entrepreneur and individual, on how to write a book, as well as writer's tips and strategies on how to actually get that book written. On today's show, you learn more about how to write a book, including writing ideas, marketing, and how to succeed in getting a book written. Here we go with the author's podcast, and here is your host, Lisa Newton. Hello and welcome to another episode of the author's podcast. Today, my guest is Abiola Bello, known as A. Bello who is a young author from North London in the United Kingdom. She wrote her first novel at aged eight, where she fought monsters and dragons daily and was first published at aged 12 for a poem she wrote in school. A. Bello wrote the first in the Emily Knight saga at aged 12, with the intention of filling in a gaping hole in children's fiction for an inspirational, strong black female protagonist who can fight like a man. A. Bello has received rave reviews for her debut book as well as success with her Emily Knight Warriors pop-up book. She is the founder of The Little Author School, co-founder of The Author School and Hashtag Press. The Author School was shortlisted for the Great British Entrepreneur Awards 2016. A. Bello has appeared in Cosmopolitan magazine, Female First, The Mirror, BBC One Extra, to name a few. On the 26th of March 2018, she was announced as the winner of the Trailblazer Award 2018, which is run by the London Book Fair. She is one of the Society of Young Publishers 2018 mentors. With all that said, I should have my guest on the line, Abiola Bello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Okay, excellent. First of all, Abiola, I just wanted to double check with you. What's the best name to call you? Because I know on your books, you go by A. Bello. Yeah, I'm flexible. I mean, I wrote A. Bello because I teach dance to kids and they can't say Abiola. Oh, they like oh. say weird things instead. So they call me Abby usually. Okay. But I didn't want to write Abby Bello. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So that's why I wrote okay. A Bello. So you can call me Abiola, Abby. I'm like totally fine. <laughs> okay. All right. Excellent. So let's start with that then. So you actually teach dance to children? Yeah. So, so I've been teaching dance since I was about 16 mm. to kids, teenagers, adults. Now I've kind of teaching more like younger kids. So like four. Mm about six that's kind of the age I've been working with recently but yeah I've been doing it for a while not as much anymore just because I just don't have as much time but like local to my area there's a few schools I work with and I will do like short-term contracts with them okay yeah it's pretty cool 
What's interesting in your story here, though, is how you wrote your first novel at aged eight. Now, was that like a fully finished piece at aged eight? I was quite taken aback by that. Yeah, it was, which is funny, actually. I to um, read this book series called The Babysitter's Club. Okay. By Anna Martin, and they're really short books. Each book is based on a different babysitter. There's like a group of friends, there's about eight of them. So I would just do that with my friends and depending on how I vibed with you that day would depend on how amazing your story would be. And I just did it for fun. It became a thing at school where people come up to be like, oh, can I read the latest edition of your story? But I, I didn't do it ever thinking to be a writer. I just read a lot of books and it was just something that I just did for fun. I wouldn't have thought that it was something I would end up doing as a career because mm. that wasn't something within my household that was encouraged because, I mean, none of us knew what the heck publishing even was. Mm. And only when I went to secondary school in year seven in my English class, and my teacher was like to me, you know, I think you should be a writer. And I was like, what, what is that? And she was like, you know, all the books you read, they get paid for it. And I was like, what, that's like a job. And she was like, yeah. <laughs> and then I went home and I was like, mom, I think I want to be like an author. And she was really pushing me to be either a lawyer or a tennis player, don't ask. <laughs> Just really pissed off with that and she went to school and like cussed out everyone yeah from then it kind of stuck in my head unfortunately for her and I just wanted to learn as much as I could about this industry I mean I'm a dancer so all my friends are dancers and don't read as well so it was literally me trying to figure out what the heck this whole industry was about mm. you mentioned reading a lot then so what sort of books did you like reading when you were younger say when you were eight to twelve compared to now the kind of books that you read or has it always been the same sort of genre kind of I mean I've always been into fantasy that's always been my thing when I was younger I was obsessed with Judy Bloom but like obsessed with her she made me want to write but and obviously like Jacqueline Wilson my friend got me into Harry Potter when I was in secondary school I think by the time the third book came out mm. she was like you need to read this series it's so good and I didn't know there was like an order. Mm. So I read like, mm. I read, no, I think I read the third one first and I was like, I'm so confused what the heck's going on in this book. <laughs> so I didn't know the whole backstory to it. Mm. And then now that I'm older, I mean, I really love like Jodie Pickle books and Sophie Kinsella and Jane Green. They're probably like my top favorite authors. I love Chiclet. It's like my guilty pleasure. Like I love, <laughs> love Chiclet. I can't get, even though the storyline is all pretty much the same, I love it so much. I have no idea why. And I have a really big obsession with Jackie Collins books like mm. last year. And I literally read every single book she ever wrote. And I was like obsessive, like the drama of it. So yeah, I kind of read anything. I'm reading right now, Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. I read a lot of YA books. So I just like to know what's out there, what's the new trend. I like to always pick if there's like any diverse characters. That's like my thing to do. Yeah, I'm pretty open. I'll kind of read anything, to be honest. So for the listeners out there, YA, if you're not sure, is young adults. And chiclets, how would you define that as a genre? What's a chiclet type book? The chiclet is like a beach holiday book. And it's always about a girl who's either single or married. And there's some form of relationship drama. And it's always about her finding who she is. So like Sophie Kinsella, I think, is like the queen of chiclet. Mm. But... I just love it. It's like, it's because it's not a book that's very deep. Mm. It's like a really easy read and it's always kind of funny and relatable as well. And I love Chiclet, I'm and not going to lie. Is there always a happy ending? 
Yeah, there is actually always a happy ending. The girl always gets the guy. Mm. Maybe not the guy she wanted to get, but she always gets a good guy. Or if her marriage has been tested, it always wins. Yeah, it's, it's cute, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it towards your the books that you've written now. So you've written a series of books, including Emily Knight, I Am. That was the first one. And Emily yeah. Knight, I Am Awakened. Tell us about the genre of those books. So the Emily Knight series is uh, fantasy books. They get picked really differently, if I'm honest. So I always wrote it as like a children's book, maybe middle grade. Some people put it in young adult. I think it crosses over a lot, but my age group that I was writing it for was between like nine to 12, which is probably more like middle grade, even a middle grade is like, there's not many middle grade books out there anyway. Yeah, it's a fantasy book and it's very much inspired by things like X-Men. That's what I literally was obsessive growing up, like reading comic books and watching X-Men on TV. Mm-hmm. And there was an anime series I watched called Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. And it's literally about, I feel like I just literally took the idea. It's literally about warriors. (laughs) For some reason, they all have these powers and it's never explained why they have these powers and why other people don't. It's just like a fact that they just have it. Mm. And they, like, you know, always foul evil and stuff. They go through their own little trials and tribulations. And I was obsessed with that show because my brother made me watch it. And then I was like, I want to read something like this. And I couldn't find anything. So then I wrote it myself. Right. Your Emily Knight series is based on fantasy. You were listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. Please do subscribe to, like and share this channel. I see sometimes almost like comic type books, but I never really got into them because I always thought it's kind of like what the boys read. What would you say to that? No, it's, there's always really lots of strong female characters. Like if you look at things like X-Men, half of the team are females. And they, they have, like, amazing powers. Oh, With Emily, okay. I really wanted to have a strong female character because at the time when the book came out, within the children's young adult genre, there wasn't really any books that had a female lead character that was really strong. At the time when Emily first came out, that's when, like, Harry Potter and Twilight were really big. Mm. And, you know, Harry Potter had Hermione, but again, she's like not the main, main character because obviously it's Harry. And then with Twilight, even though Bella was a main character, she was very weak and dependent on the other two guys. And then Love Triangle she was in. So I really wanted someone who was like a real girl who had opportunities in life and yet she struggled just like everyone else. And then I wanted my baddie to also be a female as well and to really be like that one that you just can't be and I just thought it was so much more powerful having it as a female than a male yes the series is the Emily Knight series the first in the book is called Emily Knight I am the second in the book is called Emily Knight I am dot 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 awakened yeah are you currently working on the third Emily Knight book or is that almost been completed I'm about halfway. Writing a book is like the most exhausting thing in the world. (laughs) It just takes a while to get into it. Mm. I don't know why. It takes me a while anyway. So Mm. now I'm like fully into it. So I'm about halfway through um, my first draft. I'm trying to get it done by October. 
I don't know if that's a myth or not. I'm not sure, but I'm trying my hardest to get it done. So yeah, I'm hoping that will come out. I don't know if it'll come out next year. It'll definitely be out by 2020. Okay. For sure. In terms of writing a series, so this is a fictional, it's a fantasy book. It's aimed at the nine to 12 year olds. You're in the middle of writing the third book in the series. And my question is, do you know, like, for example, Harry Potter books you've mentioned, I think there's seven in that series. I'm thinking of the Chronicles of Narnia, there's seven in that series. Do you have an end idea of like, yep, there's going to be seven in the series? Or is it mushrooming out? Have you got a bigger picture? Like all of these things are going to happen across seven books or is it kind of developing as you go along? That's a good question. When I first started Emily, I had an idea of it being like maybe like four or five books. Mm -hmm. And then when I got an offer for a publishing deal, they were like, we really want it as a trilogy. And then my age at the time, we had a conversation and I felt actually it probably would work better as a trilogy. Like, do I need five books to span out this story? I don't think I do. I don't know, but I don't think I do. So right now it's a trilogy. As I'm writing this book, I don't know if it's going to be too thick. So then it might need to be four books, but I'm trying to keep it as three. What my plan always was to do was, So it's like with Dragon Ball Z, the series I was talking about, they have like sagas. Yes. They'll have like a baddie, let's say there's a baddie called Frieza. So it'll be the Frieza saga and there'll be all these episodes just about that whole battle. Then once that's done, they'll move on to another saga. And that's kind of what I thought I might do with Emily because I just love, I love that world. This would be like the I Am saga. And then I might give it a break and then start like a whole new saga. And I could still use Emily because her character is so young. She's only like, well, in the third book, she's going to be 15. Mm. So there's like a mm. lot I can still do with that character. Yes. Or I can yes. explore like another part, like her dad, Thomas Knight, he's part of this elite team called the Five Warriors. And I've had a lot of people say to me, can you write a book about the Five Warriors and kind of explain how they got together and their whole story? Which mm. I was like, yeah, I might, I might do that. That could be actually quite cool. So mm. I think there's room to definitely do more like series, but I don't think I need like seven books to tell that I just don't think it's necessary I see that's it's very interesting what you say about that because I remember I mean my first memorable kind of chronology that I ever read was the Narnia books and it was the line the witch in the wardrobe that I started with because that's the one the most common one the most popular one everyone started with but then I read the first book which yeah. was the magician's nephew and that was how they got to Narnia in the first place and have a little adventure in Narnia and they're eating an apple and then they come back and then it's that apple, the seeds are planted, it grows into a tree and it's the wood from that tree that makes the wardrobe that is where the line the witch of the wardrobe comes from. And I just love when things like that come together and you're like, ah, oh, that's why it was a magical yeah. wardrobe. So it's, it dark, so it's very cool. Mm. I love that as well. So I think that's quite interesting. And do you get like when your readers and that are getting into your books, do you get fan mail and like, oh, can you know, like you said, you know, ideas of from your readers of, oh yeah, you know, I'd like to know more about this character. Can you go down that rabbit hole? Like, where do you get your ideas and inspiration from? I don't know. I'm not gonna lie to you, I have no (laughs) idea. I literally, I could be watching a movie and have like 10 million ideas as I'm watching the movie. Mm. So I'll be like writing it down in my phone. It just comes to me. I don't know what inspires me. I mean, I definitely have moments where I'll be writing and then it's like, I have no idea where this is going. And then I'll leave it for like a few days and then I'll get a whole storyline come through my head. Mm. 
so yeah I don't know I'm pretty imaginative so I think writing fantasy for me is really easy yeah. is when I write just fiction is yeah. what I find harder oh, I suppose because in a fantasy anything's possible yeah you can make up words you can just it's like your own vibe <laughs> with fiction like I wrote a fiction book which is with my agent called Beats Love and High Top Trainers that was a fictional book about dance mm. the dance world and I found that really hard to write which is weird because I'm a dancer but it was like I knew what I wanted to say but it was trying to get things as accurate as possible so for example I was writing about GCSEs was not it's but GCSEs is graded differently now yeah compared to when I was at school yes like it's all numbers it's a number system so it was like a letter system or like I might mention a song but then it's like well this song probably makes more sense because this artist is now like kind of disappeared so it makes more sense to use this artist so you have to kind of keep a bit more on trend whereas a fantasy you could just make up an artist or make up an exam and no one can tell you that's wrong interesting I've never thought that before and yeah I suppose you're right what you want is for any piece of writing I suppose to you know, to be able to pick it up in 10 years time and, and for it not to seem dated, if you like. Yeah. For it still to be as if it was today, I suppose. Exactly. And that that's the pro. And also when you finish the book, by the time it gets edited, things have changed. Mm. And by the time your agent submits to the publishers, things have changed. By the time your publisher, you know, gets ready to release it, things have changed again. So I think that's what I find quite hard with fiction. Mm. It took me a while to write that book. I think I wrote it, like, I wrote it so many times. Many times I thought, I don't know if I can write this book because I know how I want it to be, but it's, like, just being so accurate. And even, like, dance moves. Like, dance moves, there's always different trends. Yes. So you might mention, like, you know, the Nene in your book, but then now, like, the dance might be, you know, the whole Kiki, do you love me? Do you know what I mean? And it's completely different Mm. I found that really difficult actually thank god I'm done with it (laughs) (laughs) these are the things that I like to talk to authors about because there's someone else out there right now listening to this podcast thinking yeah and this is why I'm struggling so you've kind of nailed it on the head like maybe fiction isn't quite the genre necessarily maybe it needs to be more fantasy so that you can create a whole world around your characters and whatever names you want to call it and like you say no one can tell you that it's wrong exactly and the beautiful thing about fantasy is that the storylines are pretty much always the same like you know there's always good versus evil there's always a big war and good always wins so you kind of know what to kind of write about right to an extent and then it's all just like you know whatever your imagination wants to do so I do I love fantasy I love writing it but fiction is a whole new territory for me I mean I like the book I wrote and hopefully others will like it once it's released. But it definitely tested me a lot more. I mean, and that's not a bad thing, you know. And that's the book Beats, Love and High Top Trainers. Yeah. Okay. You have been listening to The Author's Podcast with Lisa Newton, sponsored by Boogles Limited. Tweet the show at Boogles underscore books, spelled B-O-O-G-L-E-Z underscore books. You can also contact your host via the email address lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And if you want to join our author's community, join the inner circle at www.writerbook.net. You have just been listening to the author's podcast with Lisa Newton. See you next time.
So if you are just tuning in, I am talking to Abiola Bello, who goes by the pen name A.Bello, B-E-L-L-O. And Abiola is the author of, will potentially be a trilogy, maybe more, of the Emily Knight series. The first in the book is called Emily Knight, I Am. And it's aimed at the middle graders, so sort of the between the ages of 9 to 12 years. And you can find Abiola on various outlets. The website to check out is a-bello.com. I wanted to know Abiola because I like talking to different kinds of people. And particularly when it comes to fiction and sort of fantasy, I always wonder where do you get the names from? The book series is called Emily Knight and Knight yeah. is spelt with a K. So it's like, you know, Knight in Shining Armour. Where did the name for that book come from? And when you're looking at the characters, how do you come up with some of these names? Like, you know, Emily's dad is called Thomas Knight. Yeah. How do you come up with the names? Is it based on people that you know or names that you it's like? Not- so funny with Emily. So when I first wrote her, because I wrote it when I was 12, mm-hmm. she had a completely different name. And when I went to uni, I met this, she was an, an ex-children's editor from New York and she was lecturing one of my classes. And she, me and her really vibed and she really got into my whole Emily story and she wanted to edit it for me. When I was working with her, I remember reading a Harry Potter book and I used to have this thing when I was younger of trying to read books aloud so I can practice my speaking voice. So like if I ever had to do a reading, I would like not stumble so much. I remember reading, let's say the sentence was like, you know, Ron and Hermione went to Hagrid's cabin and Emily Knight. And I literally remember reading that. Mm. And I remember looking back at the page, I couldn't find Emily Knight anywhere. And I'd been looking for a new name for my character. And I ran to my brother's room and I said, what do you think about Emily Knight with like a K? And he was like, yeah, that's a nice name. I think it's like a name I would remember. Mm-hmm. And then I just named her Emily Knight. And the other characters, I don't know, they just came up. They just fit. They weren't based on anyone's name at all. But then when I changed Emily's ethnicity from being white to black, for some reason I felt like she needs a brother. Mm-hmm. And then... I don't know where Locks came in. I don't know how I thought of Locks Knight, but I think I just, I don't know. I think I just like the sound of the name. Let's talk about that then. So you said you changed her ethnicity. Yeah. How did that come about? So the same editor I work with, her name's Laura Atkins. She's pro-diversity before I think diversity was even a thing um, in publishing. She read my book and I remember her saying to me, you know, there's a lot of things here where you push the boundaries, which is a really good thing. I was like, brilliant. And she was like, why don't you make her black? And I was like, no. And she's like, why? And I said, at the time, there was this bookstore called Borders. Do you remember Borders yes. bookstore? And, and uh, Charing Cross Road. Yeah. And I used to go to secondary school and college in Angel. And there was Borders in Angel. So I used to go there, like, almost every day after school to read Twilight. I didn't want to buy the books. So I go there and just like... <laughs> I remember there was a section they had and it was like a black book section, mainly like American authors. And I remember going down it and for some reason it just made me feel uncomfortable. And I remember thinking, I don't want to be put in a black book section. I just want to be put in the children's section. Mm. I think I wrote Emily as white because I hadn't read a character that was black. Apart from Mallory Blackman's book, that was literally the only thing. And I think a fear of me thought, if I write about a black character, they're going to put me in a box 
and make it a whole black thing. And this book has nothing to do with race. It's like she's just black and it's, that's just what it is. There's no mention of the fact that she's black and it's an issue. Do you know what I mean? Laura was like to me, no, I think you really should because there's a real lack of black characters. There's a real lack of female characters. And I think if you're going to make her female lead, which at the time was not happening, you should make her black as well. And uh, it took me a while to get my head around that. And then once I kind of saw her as a black girl, I then was like, okay, I think I want her to be more like this. And suddenly she went from being this girl who was kind of an average girl to being rich and coming from a very privileged background. But she had like these issues because of that. And she had a brother and she just came from a very elite family. Whereas before her family wasn't like this elite family. And it just kind of, made more sense to me and it was definitely the best decision that I made. I always thought they're going to try and put me in a box but I don't feel like I've ever been put in a box from making her black. I mean now obviously diversity is like a huge topic in publishing so now I look at her and I'm thinking oh I'm so glad that you are black and I like was ahead of that time Mm. you know. It's interesting that you say that about being put in a box and I don't read a lot of fiction personally myself in that sense, but when I have seen, and I know what you mean about, oh, these are the black writers. The only time I really see books separated in that way is when it comes to like almost, you know, Mills and Boone type, romance type books. Yeah. And only then will you realise, I suppose, that this is quote unquote black romance fiction because maybe of the picture on the book or when they're describing you know what he looked like what she looked like and chocolate and this that and the other those kind of descriptive words but other than that i hadn't really thought of it you know sort of within fantasy or within children's series as such separating books in that way there's just nothing one time my friend messaged me i think it was last year she has a son he's about four and she was like can you recommend any books for my son with like a black character like a black boy and I was like no I said the thing is there are books like that I just don't know what they are I was like there isn't anything that I can think of and that made me really sad to like realize that to find these books you're gonna have to really dig deep because it's probably been self-published somewhere Mm. and you're just gonna have to find who that person is but it definitely is not in a mainstream publishing house for sure that was really sad and she was like but why and I was like babe I don't know like I don't know why no I mean I do know why it's because they think it won't sell and it is really upsetting and frustrating but I think what frustrates me even more than that is when I go on Twitter and people have these debates about it and they say things like BAME or POC which I find really rude and they so BAME is black Asian minority ethnic and POC is people of colour yeah, I didn't even know what POC was, I'm not going to lie. I kept seeing it and I was like, what the heck does that mean? And then I clocked. And when they have these discussions and like they kind of have this kind of pitying vibe to it a little bit and they're like, oh, I really want to help, but I don't know how. And I'm just like, it's not really that hard to figure out. Like you just publish more. I mean, it's not that deep. It's like, it's pretty easy solution. Mm. And it's just, I get really frustrated when people have these conversations. I'm very much a doer. I'm not really like a talker. Yes. So if I see an, an issue, I will just do something about it rather than talk about what I'd like to do because I don't see the point of that. Mm. And I think when I see these conversations, I just literally roll my eyes. I'm just like, shut up. Like just flipping, change the record and do something about it. 
would you say, though, I know what the, I suppose, the argument or the fear, if you like, if that's a good word, is that, oh, if the lead protagonist is non-white, then it won't sell. But Mm -hmm. do children even really look at that? Or who says it doesn't sell? Is it true or is... Well, publishers say it doesn't sell. The thing is, kids don't see colour that much, so they won't realise that they're reading books that have a character that's nothing like them Mm. until they get older. Mm. You know, I was, what, 18? And I didn't realise I'd read books where most of them were white. Yeah. I had no idea. I remember my friend, when the girl who introduced me to Harry Potter, I remember her telling me that she thought Hermione was a black girl because she had, like, curly hair, like, bushy hair, I think it's described as, and she thought she was black. And a Mm. lot of my friends thought Hermione was black until we then realised that she was not black. I remember how excited everyone was about it, and it didn't really bother me. I didn't really care. But then only, I think, when I did my book and when I spoke to Laura, and I was like, hold on, that's really bad, actually, that I've read how many books, I don't even know. And yeah, I don't think I've really read, I think I've probably read one book, which was probably Noughts and Crosses by Mary Blackman, that had a main character that was black. I found that quite sad. But, you know, now being in 2018, it's like, should this really be the reality that these kids can't find a book with a black girl? And it's not about her skin tone or her hair. If it's an Asian person, it's not about their religion. You know, mm. why can't it just be a magician who is just Indian? Like, why is that weird? Yeah, not necessarily weird, but even you, as a quote-unquote person of colour, <laughs> you yourself felt like you didn't even want, in the initially, you know, there was that kind of reluctance, as you say yourself, to cast your own character in your own book. As... But that was like years ago. Yeah. This was like in 20, I don't know, 2009 maybe. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, because diversity is such a big issue and it has been for a few years now, I get, I don't understand why now it's people are still confused by it. I get back then because people didn't want to make a female a main character yeah. because they thought yeah. female main characters won't sell That's any so, books. Yeah. And that obviously changed because now there's loads of female main characters, which is amazing. So with the whole diverse thing, what I feel like needs to happen is authors who are already established or, you know, have already released their one book, they need to start implementing more diversity in their books. I feel like rather than publishers always trying to find a new voice or like, for example, I'm black. I have no issue with there being a white lead character in my book because there is. Mm. That doesn't seem weird to me. I don't know why the only black lead characters should come from black people. Yeah, this is what I was also going to ask you as well. So you don't have to be an author who is black to write a book with a black lead character. Anyone is welcome and open to it. Author called, I think her name is Lisa Williamson, I think. Mm. But she wrote this book all about Maya. I think Lisa is white, to my knowledge. And her character, Maya, is mixed race. Mm. And her dad is black, her mum's white. And her best friend's... Chinese, I think, and her other best friend's white. And what I love about that book is you're reading it and you're aware she's mixed race, but it's not a big deal in the yeah. book. Yeah. And I think it's one of the, I think it is the only book I've read from a non-black person where it wasn't an issue. I mean, they mentioned a bit about hair, but you know, they have like mixed race people usually have like amazing curly hair. So you can make a reference to that. But there was nothing about her skin tone, but the fact that she's confused, like if I'm more black, more white. There was nothing like that. And I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. Mm. And it's published by a mainstream publisher. I'm not sure who it is, but you know, it's a great book. Mm. 
And the cover, you wouldn't know what ethnicity she is from the cover. But as you read it, you're very aware that, you know, she's a mixed race girl. Yeah. I love that. That made me so happy. And that book again, the title? About... It's called All About Maya. Maya. All About Maya. Okay. You were listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. Please do subscribe to, like and share this channel. If you're just tuning in, we're talking diversity, let's say, within uh, the publishing industry. I'm talking to Abiola Bello, who is the author of the Emily Knight I Am series. And you can check out more on the website, www.a-bello, and that's spelled B-E-L-L-O.com. Where can people interested in buying your book buy it, aside from... On your website you can also get signed copies yes you can get it from my website or you can get it from amazon waterstone spoils at any good bookstore <laughs> you can buy the books and if you like it please leave me a review if you don't like it don't leave me a review <laughs> uh, yes you can get both books from those websites excellent so coming back to the writing process because i know a lot of our listeners they've got this burning desire to write a book um they yeah. haven't for whatever various reason got around to it maybe they're struggling with things such as you know if it is fiction trying to keep up with the trends so that by the time someone reads the book it still sounds relevant or character development or how to end it how to begin it what happens in between or whatever it might be what kind of uh, like advice would you have for people who wish to write a book because one thing you mentioned there was that ideas come to you and sometimes yeah. you'll put it down and you'll leave it for a few days and you come back to it. So what else could you know, sort of say to a, a budding writer out there who, who wants to write fiction specifically? I would say the most important thing is to read as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Read whatever your genre is. If you're writing like psychological like thriller, you should read loads of that, those type of stories. You should be really familiar with like, those authors I feel you know I'm 30 now and I read I probably read more YA than any genre because that's my age category and I like to know what people are talking about what kind of characters are out there what issues are people saying and just write as much as you can most of what writers write is is trash to be honest and you know you but the in within the trash there's always like lots of great moments you can pick out I would also say don't edit your story as you write because that's so distracting. Just write it down. Like I'm writing my third Emily and there's bits of it. I'm like, oh, that is awful. But I'm just not going to touch it. I'm just going to, I just want to finish the story. And once it's done, then you can dissect it and start playing about with it. But the most important thing is just getting it done. And I think as writers, we want things to be so perfect all the time. You'll be stuck on chapter three for ages because you're like, oh, it's still not, is still not there. I get it if you feel like you're writing it from the wrong perspective, or maybe written in first person, you're like, actually, it works better in third person, or it works better like, as a diary. I get that if you then want to kind of start over. But really, it's just about getting it all the way done. And don't work on multiple stories. I've done that before, and it's just don't do it. Just finish your story. And then once that's done, you can then move on to another story. But just get the words down. That's the hardest part of it, really. And when and you say get the words down, do you type it onto a page? Do you write with a pen? How do you do it? 
I used to literally buy a notebook that looked like a book and I would write that. When I was younger, I would do that a lot. Now I just put it straight to computer because it's just easier. I'm someone that has to type it out. And then once I'm ready to read it, I have to print it all out. I can't really read it on the screen because I feel like I miss things. I need to like, hold, like I'm not good with Kindles. Like I need to have a print book. Yeah, That's the best way for me to write and to edit. It's whatever works for you. I know writers who literally just have notebooks upon notebooks of their work. And then as they're typing it, that's how they kind of edit. Mm. And that makes sense as well to me. I just think whatever is easiest for you. And some people aren't good with computers as well. My writing is really bad. If I wrote it all down now, I don't know what happened to my writing, but it got really bad for like the past three years. So now when I write things, I literally don't even know what it says. So it is much better for me to just write on computer. But I know a lot of people who are older, who are not as familiar with computers, they prefer just to handwrite it. Okay. Just in terms of the time you spend, do you have a set time every day? Do you block time out? Do you write when you feel inspired? What's your sort of process? I've always tried to write every day because I feel like that's what everyone always says, like, you know, write every day. And for me, that's just not, that just doesn't work out for me. I do block out time to write and then I usually write for a few hours or I might just have like literally a paragraph that connects one scene to another that I've been missing and I might just write that and be cool with that. Mm. For example, like right now, I've kind of put myself on a bit on a deadline to try and finish the book by October. So I am trying to write as much as possible, but I don't have a set time because because of the way my life is, that doesn't really work for me. I just kind of write when I can, but I make sure that I do write. Even if it's at like midnight, I'll make sure that I write something and you won't edit it at all or read it back or print it off until you've actually finished the book i'll read back sections because i might have forgotten like did i write about this or what have i not spoken about enough of that because like for example emily she's based at a school obviously you need to keep things like lessons and stuff like that so as you're going through the story you'll forget about those little things so i might be like hold on is she at school yet or she not at school and i might forget that so i'll go back but i try not to edit it because I know that distracts me but I know mentally what bits I do want to change or what actually just doesn't really make sense to me anymore but I literally just I'll read back maybe the last chapter see what I wrote then and then carry on from there but I don't print out anything and try and get nitty gritty with it unless like my agent says look can you send me the first three chapters of your new book then only then I will but until then it's like I'm just going to keep going until I finish this damn book (laughs) so your process is so once you've got it all down on paper sorry not on paper but like on your computer you will then do some editing yourself yes I'll edit as much as I feel I need to until I get it to a space where I feel like okay this is perfect once I get to that space that's when I'll then get an editor on top of it You know, editors, I mean, if you get a good one, editors are amazing and they will elevate your story. I don't recommend anyone send their book out to any agent or get it published unless it's been professionally edited because it will just elevate your story. And when I did the second Emily, so when I did I Am Awakened, the lady I had editing it, she hadn't read my first book. So I partly was like, oh, should she be doing it? But then I kind of wanted to know if someone picked up this book I wanted to still be a standalone book yes I don't feel like I have to go to the beginning if you don't want to 
So I actually preferred that. And she came back with things like, I needed more about this. I needed more about that. And so now I feel like the book is a book. You can just read the second book and kind of know what happened in the first one. You have an idea of what's going on, which is important in a, in a series. But when I did Beats and I gave it to the editor, I felt like she literally was like, yeah, we've got to change this whole storyline. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then at first I was like, oh, hell no. But as I thought about it, I realised I was trying to put in too much. Because I have so much knowledge about dance. Mm -hmm. I think I was trying to put in too much of it in one book. And certain things I wasn't explaining. Like, for example, there's things like hip hop dance and commercial dance. And if you're not a dancer, you won't really know what that means. And I was kind of writing some things just assuming, oh, you'll kind of know. She actually introduced a little, a storyline actually that was perfect. And when I redid it, I was like, this makes way more sense than what I was doing. And now the story I think is like way stronger than before. But I, I do know writers who get edits and they don't want to take the editing advice. And to be fair, you don't have to, you don't have to take editing advice, but if you have a good editor, they're only there to make your story better. You have been listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton, sponsored by Boogles Limited. Tweet the show at Boogles underscore books, spelled B-O-O-G-L-E-Z underscore books. You can also contact your host via the email address Lisa at lisanewton.co.uk and if you want to join our authors community join the inner circle at www.writerbook.net you have just been listening to the authors podcast with lisa newton see you next time And where do you find a good editor? What would be the process if someone's out there and they're thinking, right, well, I've kind of got a first draft done and I've done the best I can with it for now, but I do need a second pair of eyes to look over it. What's the best way to going forward to get that done? Um, there's several ways. I mean, you could just literally go on Google and Google editors for like romance. You can check in books that you read and usually authors will credit their editor mm -hmm. and you could just then google them most editors are freelance and they have different rates so you can just check in you know i co-founded a business called the author school with helen lewis and we have days where we bring in people from the industry to talk so we always have an editor that'll come in and we'll explain the editing process and then you'll have a link then to an editor mm -hmm. and we always make sure we bring good ones i remember when i did beats and I had my usual editor do it and then I sent it out to agents because I, I just fired my agent I was trying to get a new one I got responses from two that gave me the same feedback and they wanted me to work on stuff with the book and to be honest I mean I tried I didn't really know I couldn't change it I didn't know what needed to be changed and I was like do you know what I think I need to get a second edit which I didn't want to do because it's you know it's money but I was like, I don't know how to make this change of what they want me to do. And I'm missing something and I can't figure out what it is. Karen Fall, who is an amazing editor, I said to her, look, it's already impressionally edited. I need your eyes and your expertise to tell me what I'm missing. And then she then pinpointed that, you know, you're putting in too much in it and you need to kind of follow this instead. Mm. And it sounded simple on paper, but then when you read it, you realise actually this affects pretty much the whole book. 
I had to go back and implement these changes. So it was throughout the books. Obviously, when you realise what happened, it's not like a, where did that come from? Yeah. Kind of thing. So the author school is a good place to get some editors. We have like a whole list of really amazing ones that you can speak to. Okay. And just referrals as well. Like if people have a story and they, they can always message me and I could just say, I think this person might be a good a good fit for you. How would someone go about messaging you? You can find me on like Twitter. So it's at Emily Knight I am, it's after my book name. Or Instagram, Abiola Bello. You could just DM me or tweet me. Now, I always get back to people. And if you let me know what your book's about, I can always refer you to people. And, and most editors are great at telling you what they specialize in. Yes, so they might yeah. say, I'm much better at like YA than I'm an adult, but I know this person who's really good. Mm. And that's a good way to check in. But with editors, it's always really good to compare like prices. And they get busy real quick. So you got to make sure it fits in with your schedule. And editors take about, you know, it can take about two months to do your book. And then you need to give yourself that, like, time to then work out the changes for your book as well. So it's not a quick process, for sure. Do editors, or are there different kinds, will some tell you what they think, or will some actually do the edits for you? The ones I work with do both. So they'll do things called, like, a reader's report or a critique, and it basically tells you the great things about your book, and then the not so great things about your book. And then they'll, they'll give suggestions of things. I love stuff like that. And then they'll do tracking changes throughout your manuscript as well, where they'll change things or they'll ask questions within it or they'll say not clear. And, you know, you just have to work through that and stuff. So when I did Beats, obviously, because there was a kind of like a massive change in the story, Karen gave me really great tips of things to do. She gave me really great ideas. And so as I'm as I'm working through it, I would keep referring back to that and then ticking off what I feel like I have achieved based on what she told me right. throughout the book. So it, I mean, editing is my least favorite stage of the whole book process. process. <laughs> it's like once you're done with the book, you you're like I'm done with this book, yes. and then you're yes. not you're not done with it. And yeah, then if the additional deal, it then it is likely to also get edited again. It doesn't mean you'll get like a crazy edit, but it will probably get some suggestions they might want to want to change and then some people do things like a structural edit so they'll say you know what this whole section needs to be moved way earlier in the book mm -hmm. or you know you repeat this whole section but you've worded it differently you need to change that so there are definitely deeper edits and then there's like lighter ones as well yeah okay. you, mentioned I, you mentioned when you were doing a course that there was someone who did some, I think, children's book publishing or something when you was at university. Yeah. And she offered to edit your book. What course were you doing at the time? Did you do something like writing related? Yeah, I did. I went to Roehampton University in uh, Richmond. Well, I basically, when I signed up for it, I was doing creative writing and writing for children. That was like my thing. And then when I, you know, when you like log into your course and get your timetable, they had made writing for children into a master's and just, you know, how to tell me, which is all good. So I was just doing creative writing. But when I was in my second year, that's when I did more of the writing for children stuff. And that's when I met Laura because she was overseeing that course. And that was my favorite part of it but I didn't finish uni though I left in my third year okay yeah. but the knowledge that you learned from being on that course has obviously well not obviously but has helped you in your book writing 
to be honest, it mainly helped me with my confidence okay. because I wrote a lot for myself. And then obviously my teacher was like, you should become a writer. But I didn't have writing friends. I didn't know anyone in publishing. And so I still felt like it was very much my baby. Mm. So I started blogging because I wanted to kind of get used to kind of voicing my opinion in words and getting used to people kind of reading stuff. So I did it as a confidence thing. And at uni, I remember they would just literally just be like, Abiola, stand up, read <laughs> your story on this. And you, you just had to read it. And it was a really good way of learning what kind of writer I was. I realized I was funny and my books were very easy to read. And I felt like I wrote a lot for a certain audience, which is more like a younger audience. So it definitely taught me a lot of like, okay, I think this is kind of my my vibe of what I'm good at doing. Yes, I'm yes. not very good at the super serious adult Nobel Prize stuff. I don't think that's my vibe, but I'm really good at making like fun, encouraging stories for young people. Absolutely. It announces the winner of the Trailblazer Award 2018, which is run by the London Book Fair. Tell me about that and how you got into that. I'm assuming it was a competition and how that um... no, it wasn't it oh. wasn't a competition it was literally i remember just getting an email this is because as it's close to london book fair you just get lots of like lots and lots of emails from everyone about it and i remember there was a thing about this awards for like under 30 and i think i sent it to helen who's my business partner and i said what do you think if i should go for this she was like yeah so i remember re writing in my entry and i i can't brag on myself i'm not great at it so I said to her, look, can you can you write something? Because I, I, I feel kind of uncomfortable writing it. She's like, sure. And I didn't actually know that she did it, if I'm honest, because I didn't chase up on it. I didn't ever see her entry either. So then I got an email saying I got shortlisted. I was in the top 30. And I was like, oh, this is sick. Amazing. And then <laughs> they said that we would have the award ceremony at the Groucho Club. And they would announce. So it's basically pick five winners. And I think this was the third year they've done it, I think. So I was like, cool. So me and Helen went and I remember we got there early. I don't know why. And we were downstairs in the bar. And then someone from the awards kept coming down to like basically telling me to go upstairs. Mm. And Helen was like, you've won. And I was like, no, no, no. It's because we're meant to be upstairs. That's why they're bugging me. And like, no, no, no. Like, why do they care? And I was like, because I'm nominated. That's why they care. And we're going back and forth like this. And we went upstairs. And I remember in the top 30, there was only three ethnic people, including me, that got in. There was another black girl and an Asian girl. Mm. And I remember feeling like one of us is going to win. Even though they've never had an ethnic winner before, I felt like one of us is going to win it. But the other two people weren't there. So it's just oh. me. Mm. So it was literally a room full of white people. I was drinking so much because I didn't know what to do with myself. And we went in the room and me and Helen got separated because the people nominated were like on a different side of the room. And I opened this magazine and it had all the shortlists on there. And I read a bit of my entry and I thought, Oh, girl, you sound pretty good, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was impressed then. And I, I remember being on Instagram on like my fifth drink. And then the one of the judges got up and was talking about me. And it was worded the same way it was written in the magazine. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, is he talking about me? And then I didn't know what to do with myself. I was like, do I smile? Do I act surprised? And I was very aware that I was really not even paying attention to what was going on. You are listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. Please do subscribe to, like and share this channel. Helen was on the other side of the room going crazy. It was so embarrassing. Yeah, then he said my name. So I was the first one announced. Oh. And I was very surprised. Do you know what? I didn't really 
know what the trailblazer thing was, if I'm honest. I didn't read about the shortlisted people until the day before mm. because Helen was like, have you read the people you're up against? And I was like, no, is there even a website? Like, I had no idea. And she sent it to me and I read it. And I remember thinking, like, this is super intimidating. Everyone, <laughs> everyone was so good. And I remember thinking, why am I on here? And I don't get intimidated easily, but I was super intimidated. And I just thought, you know, it was good to be shortlisted. I already had kind of put myself out of the race. Mm. So to win it was very, was very humbling and it was amazing. And I had so many great things that came out of that. My London Book Fair was so epic. Like I had the best time ever. And I got to meet really cool people and it definitely elevated mine and Helen's businesses to a extent where I felt like people were, people were like, okay, we know who they are, if that makes sense. Yes. And yes. my Twitter for the, for the next four days was crazy. I couldn't literally go on Twitter because it was like the amount of follows and DMs and stuff was like ridiculous. Yeah, so it was very cool. So I'm the first black person to win the wow. award. Yeah. The Trailblazer Award, which is run by the London Book Fair. And that's the Trailblazer Award 2018. If you look out for that, you will see Abiola Bello, who is my guest today on the Authors Podcast, telling us about her journey and giving us all some writing tips and inspiration. Entering awards or winning them even better can do a lot to raise your profile. Definitely. So tell me then about, so you've mentioned Helen Lewis, who is your co-founding partner of the Author School. Tell me about the Author School and Hashtag Press. So the Author School came about in 2015. It's just so funny how it happened. I remember I was working for a company and me and the manager were like really close. And I remember just feeling really down about, you know, life. I remember saying, I really want to do this like a, a workshop for authors because I always get people asking me how do you become an author how do you do that yes. but it all comes down to money she was like to me why don't you apply to Virgin Startup I've never heard of Virgin Startup and I was just like I mean I was like come on I'm not gonna get the money and she's like look just go home and try it and I feel like whenever I'm in a oh I don't care I'm over it mood that's when things happen for some reason mm. and I applied and then you know they invited me to their headquarters and I thought that was just a standard thing I didn't know that a lot of people don't even get to that stage. And then um, I messaged Helen and I said to her, she was my PR at the time, just my PR. And I said, look, I have this idea. Do you think it's a good idea? And she was like, that's so weird. I had a similar idea. And then we decided to do it together. So we went to Virgin and we got money. And then we set up the author school. The first one, the content and the quality of speakers we had were perfect. The venue, not so much. So after we'd done the first one, we were like, do you know, we're on something really good here. And all the speakers were like, do you know what, ladies, this is a really good idea. So we switched venues. We've got like a much better, cooler venue. And since then, it's gone from strength to strength. So we basically have events twice a year. We do one around London Book Fair time and one around like November. And we um, basically have, a, have classes. So we do editing, literary agents, publishing, PR and marketing, book to film. And we get speakers from the industry. So we've had like HarperCollins, Bloomsbury. We've had Madeline Milburn, Darlie Anderson. We started doing an author panel. So we've had Patrice Lawrence, Catherine Weber, Gillian McAllister. And they, they come and they just give very clear 
informative advice in a very informal setting. It's a really small class. There's only 25 people. And it's it's always so much fun. And what I love about the day is I learn so much still. Even when I think, I feel like I got this. There's always still so much to learn. Yes, and we yes. always seem to get the best speakers. They're always so on point. We always get really good authors that come and ask really great questions. And then off the back of that, me and Helen were like, how can we do more stuff? Because people are always saying, you girls only do two classes like a year. Can't you do more? So we then did one called an afternoon with the author school in July which was amazing. And it was just me and Helen. And it was even a smaller class than usual. It was like 12 people. Mm-hmm. And it was literally just us talking, giving advice. And it was, it was perfect. We have an online course that we're basically revamping. And we do a lot of one-to-ones as well. So we, we basically, the author school is, is a great place just to have people who kind of are rooting for you. Being an author is really lonely. Mm-hmm. And you can feel super intimidated and whatnot. And I think what we wanted from the author school was to always make great opportunities for authors to elevate themselves. So we started a new a online bookshop called Book Girls as a way for authors to kind of sell their books and get more percentage for their, you know, like royalties and stuff. We're always trying to think, what can we do to like champion authors more? Some of our latest authors that came to our events, one of them got a book deal with HarperCollins. One just got another book deal we found the other day. It makes us feel like so proud, like, that they they took that knowledge that they learned in the class and they implemented it and now they've got this book deal that they wanted to get and it, it's such it's like the best feeling ever <laughs> and then with hashtag press that came off the back of the author school because we had authors being like can't you publish my book and we're like we're not publishers and then you know the light bulb went off and I was like hey maybe we should be publishers and Helen was like oh no 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 so it took it took me a while to kind of get her on board but um we took like a year to kind of really think about how would we do this what do we need how do we do distribution how do we do that and as usual we seem to always get connected with amazing people who not just want to work with us but also guide us yeah and then he was like look if you want to do this you need to you need to basically put the money behind your own book and prove that it works and I had just been offered a deal and so I was like oh my god do I take the deal or do I basically make my book our first book to see if we can do this. And I thought, okay, screw it, let's just do it. So I did a second edition of my Emily book and yeah, it works, it works perfect. So I was like, we got this. So (laughs) now it's growing. So now in December, we're gonna be publishing our 10th book, which is really awesome. And next year we've got books up until October already like listed for publication. So it's grown much faster than we ever could have imagined but it's amazing and it, hashtag is really cool because it's like a collaborative publishing house. So we take what we feel is the best of self-publishing and the best traditional, we kind of mix it all together mm-hmm. to make hashtag. So the author has a lot more say, they have a lot more input and control than you would if you should publish. So that's the benefit of the self-publishing side. But then we basically do everything that traditional house will do. So we give you really amazing PR, amazing distribution and sales. We're super transparent. It's just me and Helen, so you know who you're dealing with. Because with self-publishing, when you were a self-publishing house, you get passed around a lot to like, different people, yeah. depending yeah. on what stage you're on. And it's super annoying because you just want to deal with one person who you feel like cares about your project. But with hashtag, you literally just deal with me or Helen. I think that's what makes it really cool. And we, we're really fair. And as usual, we're always trying to find a great ways to 
promote our authors and give them the best opportunity and yeah I'm, I'm really proud of both of those they're like amazing excellent so with the, the <coughs> author school so you say that it runs currently twice a year yes the full okay. days run twice a year we do like mini sessions like in between the year but okay. the main okay. full days with all the speakers is twice a year and in what months are those we usually do one in March, like just before London Book Fair, usually, because we want to try and equip people to be like, if you are going to the fair, this is what you should be doing with your time. Yes. Because a yes. lot of people don't know. I mean, I definitely didn't know what to do the first time I went. So we try and do that for them. And then we do one usually in November as well. And where are they held in London? Yes, yeah, so held in London. So we use a venue called Citizen M, which is basically like London Bridge. So we usually do it there. We were meant to do one in, was it Birmingham or Brighton? One of those places, but I don't know what happened there. It kind of went a bit flat. So we're trying to basically take it on tour and do it in different cities around the UK. Because like, we know that London is like the capital of publishing yes. or one of the capitals of publishing. And a lot of amazing talent do not live in London. And even actually most of the people that come to the author school travel into London to come in. Right. It would be good to try and go to where they're at and do something there. It's just, it's a bit challenging because obviously we're not from there. So trying to plan like having an author school in like Bradford is definitely, you know, we would like to get speakers from the area as well. Yes. We right now obviously get speakers mainly from London. And so is there a website for this if people want to find out more and to sign up to be kept informed of when the next event is? You are listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. Please do subscribe to, like and share this channel. Yes, if you just go to www.theauthorschool.com, you'll see that we have our next full day on November 12th with some amazing speakers and also a chance actually to pitch to an agent, which is like, you know, it doesn't happen often. We're also doing a class called Cocktails and Conversations. It's basically a night out with me and Helen. We have some drinks. We talk about books and about what you want to do. And then we follow up with a two-hour one-to-one. And that is happening on September 21st. So both tickets are currently live. If you're free to come, come and join us. Okay. And depending on when you're listening to this, my podcast listeners, check out theauthorschool.com and the event currently taking place in London in the UK. But you did mention though, Abiola, that there's an online course that you're revamping. So if people keep an eye on the website. Yes, we're currently just going through the content. Right. So once, hopefully that'll be done in like a month or so. So once that's all done, that'll be also available online. And then if you obviously can't make it to the author school or you don't live in London, you can then just download some content and learn. And obviously if you have any questions, you can always just email me and Helen or tweet us because we're always about. Right. And then you mentioned Book Girls. So just go into that a little bit more, what Book Girls is. So basically... Book Girls is an online bookshop that we are starting in September. It's just a way for, as an author, the royalties that usually get paid is usually not amazing, whether you're traditionally published or self-published. And it's just a way for, if you have books in stock in your house and you're able to fill orders, we can basically list it for you on our website, theofficeful.com, 
or on our Amazon account, which is Book Girls, and people can then therefore buy it, buy the book, and you can just get a higher royalty for it. And it's free to list your book as well. There's not really much effort you have to do apart from just posting it out when we tell you when. And then obviously we'll pay you monthly, your book sales and whatnot. It's just a great way just to have a different avenue for your book. Absolutely. Because as an author, you need to find as many things as possible. Right. Exactly. You need as many opportunities. So we're just trying to create an opportunity for, for people. And if someone is interested in that, how do they contact you regarding that? You could just email me. So it's abiolabello at theauthorschool.com or you can just tweet us at theauthorschool and we can send you information. And yeah, we're officially launching it in September. So you've got some time to kind of give us some information and we could just list your book and just go from there. That's September 2018 for those of you who might be listening at a later date. And so if it's October 18, it's already happened, but it's September 2018. When you say book girls, is it only for female authors? No, no, no. It's just equal book girls because me and Helen are running it and we're girls. It's no, no. It's for any authors of any genre. Um, what we try and do differently is we would read each book that we're listing and on our website we'll put like a mini review. Um, just a great way to kind of encourage people to purchase the book and just so it also shows that we're just not listing whatever we're listing things that we think this is actually a really good book and we think you should buy it okay that's what we are doing okay. a bit differently and on our website we'll also put a link to your social media account and we will also promote your book on our social media so there's lots of great opportunities just to kind of raise your profile and to hopefully sell more copies of your book which is the most important thing okay and hashtag press which is a publishing yeah. house. If someone out there is sitting there yeah. thinking to themselves, you know what, I like the sound of this Abiola and this um, Helen lady. Um, I've written a book. I think they would quite like it. Is there any specific genre that you're after or that you prefer or that you're going for? Or what is the process if someone wanted to submit a piece of work to your publishing house, hashtag press? What? Or do you only well, take right people now, from the author school? No, no, no. I mean, the author school is a great funnel, to be honest, because when we've met you, we kind of know what you're about. We'll, we'll find out a bit about your book as well. I mean, we've had, I think, three authors from the author school that we've worked with for Hashtag. But we, we get a lot of us, uh, our books from submissions. Um, we're pretty open to what we want to publish. We just both have to like it it's kind of that simple we both have to like it and believe that we can sell it so we do like books that have a commercial vibe to it right now we are we've just gone into picture books so we're really trying to build up our children and young adult list and we are also trying to build up our fiction list i love chiclet as you know so i'm always looking for an amazing i haven't seen one yet but i really want a really great chiclet book I know Helen loves psychological thriller, so we're really looking for a strong psychological thriller. And obviously I'm like the children's YA girl, so as much children's YA as possible I love. But if you want to submit to us, it's just submissions at hashtagpress.co.uk. You just send the first three chapters of your book and like a short bio about yourself. It doesn't matter if your book isn't finished yet. If you just have an idea of what it is and we're interested, we'll let you know 
about that but we we have got a lot of books coming out already next year so if you did want something published next year I would advise you to kind of contact us as soon as possible or you might have to wait to 2020 which I don't think is a bad thing I feel like a book out in 2020 sounds really epic so you might have to wait for that one but yeah we are open <laughs> excellent you've talked um, about agents so tell me how you first found your agent in the beginning how did that happen because this is um, always a so question that I, people are asked i know agents is a whole situation i feel yeah, like yeah, it's um, a whole podcast in itself <laughs> it is a whole podcast. It is, really, it is. so when i left uni i was trying to then get an agent and i was extremely naive and i thought i'd get one like in a heartbeat that was not the case and i was lucky though because i got agents that would actually give me like really solid feedback and stuff it was a tough time because that's when twilight was huge and harry potter was huge so a lot of people a lot of agents were looking for other books about vampires or witches or whatever but when helen asked me to come to london book fair and she told me to go through the directory and to contact agents and by then my book was already out and i was like i don't need an agent i can see this myself like it's not a big deal and so I was going through the directory and I think I got to like K and I was like, I'm over it. I'm not doing this anymore. And I don't know how she knew, but she was like, have you stopped doing the directory? And I was like, no, I had. <laughs> so I carried on. And then I had two agents get back to me. One of them was the one I ended up signing with. It happened really quickly. Like once they're interested, it kind of happens super, super quick. So I signed with that agency. I was with them for some years and then I just felt like last year especially I just felt like I didn't feel like it was the right agency for me mm. anymore and I wanted to go with an agency I had I, I feel like when I was younger I didn't really know exactly what I wanted from an agent I just knew I had to get one and I think there are different levels of agents I'm trying to say without being shady so <laughs> I just felt like I knew what I wanted from an agent and unfortunately my agent couldn't give that to me and we had a we had a talk about it and stuff we had several discussions actually and in the end I felt like it, I think it just makes more sense for me not to be with you so I then started resubmitting for uh when I when I made beats I then resubmitting submitting for that book and then I had I had lots of positive feedback that was a completely different experience what was funny is a lot of the agents I was interested all went on maternity leave, which was really funny. So everyone was kind of like, I'll get back to you in like October. And I was like, no, 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 no. I can't wait that long for you. And then a new agency called the Lit Literally Agency came up. And then I felt like this is like the best one for me. So now I'm signed to them. Okay. And so far, so good. So yeah, it, it worked. I'm, I feel very lucky because firing an agent is not something that authors do well I don't exactly. even know how you would fire you know? yes. and I, I know enough to know that you need an agent in this industry and you're also seen differently when you have an agent it's just it's all a weird thing so to fire one was a bit like oh my god you know it wasn't an easy decision at all so an agent is someone who is working on your behalf for you as the author working in your best interests correct me if I'm wrong, is it their yeah. job to find ways to promote your work? What is the benefit of having an agent? Clearly it's a benefit because everybody wants one, but what can you expect yeah. from an agent? Well, it's like, what like, do they actually do? do? What yeah. agent actually works for you? 
and they are the link between you and a publishing house. So a lot of publishers you can submit to by an agent. There's loads. Mm. But like the big dogs, like the HarperCollins of the world, you do need an agent mm. to speak on behalf for you. And their job is to sell your book and to get you a publishing deal and to get you to get you a good publishing deal. Some agents are a bit more hands-on than others. Some agents also double up as editors. Right. And they'll kind of work with you and your right. book and get it to a good place and they'll kind of make a whole pitch with you and there are some agents that are very hands-on and there are some that aren't Mm. it just depends on what you want Mm. to be honest like my agent wasn't the most hands-on and as I got older I realized actually I want someone who's hands-on do you know what I mean whereas some people are just like they just want agent that kind of just does whatever and it's that's fine so it definitely depends what what you want I would look at their list of their authors and see how many authors they have okay. as well and see how many they have in your genre because the, you know I mean the more authors they have the less time they'll have for you I think okay interesting so there's some really good advice when looking at an agent and when assessing what an agent can do for you and also just in terms of when you're speaking to people the kind of things to ask them as in managing expectations You have been listening to The Author's Podcast with Lisa Newton, sponsored by Boogles Limited. Tweet the show at Boogles underscore books, spelled B-O-O-G-L-E-Z underscore books. You can also contact your host via the email address lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And if you want to join our author's community, join the inner circle at www.writerbook.net You have just been listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. See you next time. If you're just tuning in, I am talking to Abiola Bello, who is the author of the Emily Knight I Am series. Bello is an award-winning author, recently won the Trailblazer Award 2018, run by the London Book Fair. She's written various books, including Emily I Am and Emily I Am Awakened. Her books are largely aimed at the YA audience which is young adult but normally aged nine to twelve i've never quite understood why it's called young adult it used to be called youth but there you go oh, really? <laughs> youth but the thing is the word youth i mean youth be called teenager but it kind of depends so you know young adult yeah. these days starts from all kinds of ages so but generally it's, it's exactly it's so vague, like yes. the age group yes. of these things. Yes. It's the weirdest thing. And then middle grade comes up, but then a lot of books are not middle grade. And it's all very weird. Mm. It's all <laughs> I thought like I should always call it just children and then adults and just kind of keep it really no, straightforward. To me, children's is like, you know, it could be nursery school almost. So yeah. there is like that gap in between not quite I think no one knows the age. Like mm. some people think teenage starts from 12. Some people think it's 16. And then there's different degrees of YA books. Yes. Like some YA books are really like the Hunger Games is like super crazy, like the actual book. Mm. And I think that's for like a definitely like an older YA audience. Right. Whereas right. some people like Harry Potter crosses over to YA, but I feel like that's like a young YA audience. So it's like different degrees of YA. It's like and that's two very good examples, Hunger Games and Harry Potter that you mentioned that are books that have 
been turned into films and that is one of the sort of sections that the author school that Abiola is a co-founder of have a piece on I think is quite interesting because I can't remember what book it was but I remember a friend of mine said that she'd read I think it was the Da Vinci Code and she said if she read that book she could just see the movie in her head and she said you know that book is just written to become a movie yeah I think that in itself there are some books you can just like when I read The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas Mm. and it's such a I, I mean I love that book it's such an honest real piece is so unfiltered mm. and it's for young adults and part of me was shocked that they published it because it's such a black book and it's so unapologetically black as well which I love but it's done so well like commercially it's done so well but I think it's done so well because there was a need for a book like that especially for a black audience and that book I was like they need to make a movie of this because it's so powerful because it's about like the Black Lives Matter movement and they are they have made a movie of it now I think it comes out in October or something. And what's it called? The Hate You Give. The Hate You Give, okay. When I read that, I was like, if they don't make a movie of this film, I'm literally gonna go crazy because it's so powerful and it's such a, it's a a book that educates you as well. And I know a lot of like, especially like white people that have read it, that were like, I feel like I understand the Black Lives Matter movement more. And I was like, yeah, it definitely is a great, great tool it's definitely a great example of what it's about without it being so like so aggressive to an extent mm. like it doesn't, it doesn't preach at you if that makes sense yeah it, it's a really i love that book it's a great book mm, excellent any sites on getting the emily knight series televised or filmized or i don't know what you call it when you turn a book into film yeah basically well, i actually got approached by a production company was it last year i think it was actually they have been pitching out to be a tv series yeah. i actually got another company come to me about it being made into a movie as well i think emily emily would work well because it is very much like marvel inspired as we yes. know marvel's like big money and you can, you can obviously, you know how Marvel movies go. And so I think it's easy to kind of see Emily in that way. I think for me, it's just more finding the right, the right angle of it. I don't want them to lose the fact that this strong girl is a strong black girl. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to be lost in like the politicalness of diversity in TV and film. But when it comes to turning work into other formats, as the author, where do your rights sort of end and the production people then sort of have the creative license? Yeah, you, you kind of get put on as like one of the writers of okay. it. So you have some control, but at the same time, what I'm learning is when books kind of, leave your hands and go out you have to release some control Mm. and you need to be okay with that Mm. so with the production company I've been working with which is called Treehouse Digital they're based in Bournemouth they wrote like a tv pitch for like 10 episodes of like the first book Mm. and they pretty much kept it to the storyline but obviously some things have changed I've been asked to kind of write out like a screenplay of like the first book and even as I'm writing that I can see some things that work best in a book form will not work will not translate clearly into TV right. or into film. So I've had to kind of think about if I was watching this, how would I need this to be explained so that I understand what that means? Mm. And I've been learning that as well. You know, I'm pretty open. I feel like as long as it's given to people that you trust and who get your vision, who understand it, I feel like then it's in great hands. 
But I think most books that I've seen adapted for film or TV have been very clear. Like I've just been reading Game of Thrones and I'm shocked that the series is actually so close to the book. Okay. Like, who knew? It's been quite a few, actually. We've mentioned yeah. a few, like Twilight as well. and like Well, Twilight, they changed. So the ending in the film is different to the ending in the book because the ending in the book is not that great. <laughs> so they made the film one way more epic, to be honest. Mm. So I get they have to change things to make it more exciting, but they pretty much stick to it. Like Harry Potter pretty much sticks to it pretty mm. closely. Mm. Yeah, I, feel, I think they do a good job when they adapt things, for sure. That's very yeah. exciting. So do you think if you are writing a book, you should have that kind of in the back of your mind, like maybe TV, film, yes? I think you need to think, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's a problem. I think you should definitely think about how else can I kind of expose this more? Mm. I mean, with Emily, when I was at uni, I had, it was my lecturers that were saying to me, I could use this as a movie. And I was like, really? It didn't even cross my mind that that was something. Mm. So think from then I was thinking well maybe there is potential and I and then since then I've always had people say to me I can see this in like film yeah with beats love and high top tones I don't know if that would be good for film or tv I, I don't know if that's something that people would see and think this would work I think Emily it's it's different because it's fantasy based and obviously there's lots you can do with things like powers and stuff like that there's more to there's more to play with with it yeah yeah okay just a, a few more questions just uh, to help those sitting at home sort of hopefully feeling very inspired at this point i'm feeling inspired just listening to you oh. what would you say to anyone who is thinking oh you know i've got this great idea and you know i just haven't got around to writing it yet i just don't seem to have the time what would you say to those people you need to find the time i just think listen if beyonce can do a tour and have twins and have like a husband that's acting up and, <laughs> and do all this stuff, I feel like we have enough time to do things. That's why I always think in my head. Mm. There's so much time in the day. It's just how you utilize your time. And I think people think I need to write this many words. And, and some people need to be organized in that sense. So they need to, I, I need to write 3000 words today. Da, da, da. I'm not like that. I just will just write as much as I can write that day. If you can only write a bit or even if it's just like developing your character and just even just writing it down on a piece of paper, then that's still something. But I, I mean, I, I meet a lot of people like, I have this book, but I haven't started it. I'm like, well then, I mean, you need to start it. There's not much anyone can do unless you write it down. Everyone has an idea for a book. And I think that's what's amazing about books is everyone has a story to tell. But if it's not written down, it's not a book. This is a controversial question, but I must ask it because I like to ask everyone. You know, you've done courses, university level, high level on creative writing. And so there is a skill to it. Let's not say that there isn't. There is. Do you feel, because some people listening to this might think, well, you know, Abiola was at university and she's been doing this since she was eight, you know, writing poetry and stuff like that. I might have the idea, but I'm not sure I can write. Like, what would you say to that? Can everyone write, basically? Oh, yeah, question. for sure. Like, you don't need to do a course. I mean, I did a course because I didn't know anything about the industry and that was the only way for me to learn. If I had the access that I have now to this industry and, you know, I had like Twitter and all these things like that, I probably would not have gone uni and done it. I probably would have just done dance or something more fun. But I did it because I wanted to learn more about the, the industry. And there's, there's so many courses and classes and events and there's so much content now out there 
with publishing, you can figure out yourself. Most debut authors as well, even the ones that are super successful, they've never done any courses and stuff. They just had a great idea and they had a great editor and they kind of figured it out. I just think if you have a great idea, it doesn't matter what your background is or what level experience. I mean, I did uni, but I don't have a degree for it. Like I just, you know, I left because I didn't feel like I was getting what I wanted from it once I got to third year. And that's just how it was. I don't feel like that makes me any better than anyone because I, I didn't get a degree anyway. So who okay. cares? Mm. Uh, no, just... it's reassuring because lots of people out there don't have a, a writer's degree and sometimes they right. might count themselves out as a result, which I don't think they should because, you know, you don't need to have a degree in order to write, basically. Even when I got into uni, I thought in college for A-level that I had to study certain subjects mm. to do creative writing at uni. And then when I actually read the prospectus, because, you know, I didn't, I realised they ought to get into the course. They used to write a story, and if they liked it, <laughs> they'd put you in. It's, it's not about your background. It's just, can you write a story? That's really what it's about. And some people can write stories, some people can't. Okay. Have you ever read any of your own reviews? I always read reviews. I'm really lucky. I've never had a bad review. When I first actually released my book, I had a guy write a, a review somewhere, I can't remember what it was, and he said, I haven't read this book and never will. Oh. And I was like, what a dick, do you know what I mean? Oh, wow. But ever since then, wow. I've never had a bad review from customers, from bloggers. Bloggers, I always get good reviews. I've had a few that have kind of be like, you know, I wanted more of this or da 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 And yeah, but I just, I don't really take any of it to heart. I just feel like it's your opinion. Mm. And thanks for reading it. Okay. That's what I just think. Has there ever been any sort of surprising or notable feedback? Because, I mean, for someone to say they'd never read your book, did they give a reason for that? Like, <laughs> just quite surprised someone would no, actually he, take time out of their life to say, asshole. I he would never it. read your book. I know, it was so dramatic. He just wrote it just to write it. And it's like, it's fine. It's like, that's fine. You don't want to read it. But it's just, I don't like people that try and be rude for no reason. Yeah. Like, there was no need to write that and stuff. Yeah. But that's just people for you, in it? That's not much you can do. But I just think, we've, I mean, I know a lot of authors that don't read their reviews mm. because they just don't want to hear it. And it's totally fine. But I, I like to see, especially because of the publishing house, I have to read reviews on all our books. Mm. And some authors get amazing reviews, some there's some authors that won't get the best reviews and it is hard to read when it's like not the best reviews in the world but you just have to read it it's always just good to know especially if people say a similar thing yeah you've got to take that a little bit like people say you know what this storyline this should have happened or this wasn't as strong and I think if more than one person says it maybe you should think about it right fair enough that's a fair point let's get you out it's just someone's opinion like who cares you know what I mean at yeah. the end of the day it's just an opinion you are listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. Please do subscribe to, like and share this channel. If you're just tuning in, I am talking to Abiola Bello, who is the author of the Emily Knight I Am series. A few quick questions as we wrap up the interview. And I'd like to know, Abiola, you know, you mentioned at the beginning that you do dance as well as writing. And you also said that you thought that dance was more fun. But what do you think is the best thing, though, about being an author? Um, I think just writing your story, like seeing your book in print 
for the first time is like so epic i can't even explain it like when you get a box of your books and you just see like all that hard work and look at this like what it's come to it, it is like the best feeling i did a book tour during world book day uh, that whole week in the snow which was awesome but meeting like the kids and just hearing their thoughts on like emily and just like how excited they was for things was so good like i I really, really enjoyed that. Like I love going inside the schools and meeting the kids. And just when you just get opportunities to kind of like talk about more about these issues that you feel like can really be improved in publishing. So for example, things like diversity. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, I really love that. But being being an author is it's not as I don't it's not as glamorous as I think people think. Yeah. It is. It's a lot of it's a lot of work and it's a very it's not like music where you could just kind of make a song in like a week. You know, writing takes forever. You know, like it takes me like a year to write a book usually. So it's it's a very slow moving, it's very like much a long race. It's definitely not a sprint situation. But yeah, I just love the fact that like, you know, I can see my books on my bookshelf and all that work that went in and it, you know, it's in bookstores and when people like say great things about it. My favorite thing actually is when I go on Instagram and someone's done a really cool picture of my book. That really makes me excited. <laughs> yeah, that makes me, I love that. I'm not gonna lie. I love it so much. Excellent. Any final words? I just want to say thank you, Lisa, for interviewing me. I appreciate it so much. It's really it. fun. It's been great. Thank you. And to, to anyone listening who just needs a bit of encouragement and like maybe you have submitted your book around and it hasn't had the best feedback or you haven't had much, like, you know, the, the whole the whole agent route, as much as I am definitely a champion for traditional publishing, the agent route, you need to remember, it's just someone's opinion. Don't take it too much to heart. I would only kind of take it to heart if they gave you the same feedback that's when I think, okay, maybe there's something in this. But if it's just like, you know, it's a no for them, I always think that's a great thing because I think, well, you weren't the right person to sell this book and that's fine. I'd rather know that. There are so many ways to get published and there's ways to get published and you get a beautiful book out of it as well. You know, so just keep going. If you ever need some advice, you just need a little pick me up, you know, you can message me, message the author school and, you know, we'll always advise you as best as we can. But if you have a, a story to tell, just get it done. Right. And remind the audience, how can they get in touch with you? <coughs> Abiola Bello, author of the Emily Knight I Am series. Email, website, Facebook. My email is info at a-bello.com. My website is www.a-bello.com. You can find me on Facebook. I think my Facebook is a bello author or Emily Nyam, but I'm on Twitter at Emily Nyam, and I'm on Instagram at Abiola Bello. So, you know, find me and connect with me. And if you have any questions at all, just message me and I'll always get back to you. And yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for you. And, you know, if you want to write that book, then let's get that book done. Excellent. Thank you very much. You've been very kind with your time, uh, very gracious. So, listeners, you. You've heard it from Abiola Bello, the author of the Emily Knight I Am series. We've had a, a really deep conversation into various things 
not just about writing and how to write and how to get into it, but also, you know, ways in which there's help out there via the author school, um, via the hashtag press publications house that Abiola co-runs with her partner, Helen Lewis. So if you have any questions or you just want to find out a little bit more about Abiola, you can always check out her website, which is the www.a-bello.com. If you're on Facebook, you can find her at A Bello Author. And remember, Bello is B-E-L-L-O. And she's also on facebook.com forward slash Emily Knight. And Knight is with a K. Emily Knight, I am. That's on Facebook. Thank you then, Abiola. It's been wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you, thank listeners, you. for tuning in and for being part of the show as the audience. I will see you all again very soon, I hope, on the next episode of The Authors Podcast. You have been listening to The Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton, sponsored by Boogles Limited. Tweet the show at Boogles underscore books, spelled B-O-O-G-L-E-Z underscore books. You can also contact your host via the email address lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And if you want to join our authors community, join the inner circle at www.writerbook.net. You have just been listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. See you next time.